0: Washington State, yes, that Washington State, played like a Pac-12 contender on Saturday, and yet they still aren't getting all the respect they deserve. Not on this show. You are locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team-free. But until then, beloved and loaded. Conference of Champions, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. I tell you what, Washington State probably used LinkedIn Jobs to hire Jake Dickert. Boy, does he look like a good football coach at the moment. Some of us have sung his praises for uh, quite a while here on the show i won't name names but even he surpassed my expectations on on saturday that was really impressive we have to talk about that and yet they're still getting disrespected winners and losers is back and then a, a quick realignment question to wrap up today's show as well but we start with washington state could they have looked any better i mean from the jump they outplayed oregon state on both sides of the football Oregon State was able to run it. Yep, they have the best offensive line in the Pac-12. I have not changed my view on that front. DJU was pressured a couple times. But, I mean, overall, Washington State you know, went against a really good offensive line and still put up a good defensive effort. I know there were the two late touchdowns that made it look like they allowed 35 points. Not all touchdowns are created equal. Washington State played like a Pac-12 contender, on Saturday as they go into the buy. And boy, are they an outright winner in our weekly winners and losers segments? No doubt, segment. No doubt about that. Here's the thing though. I looked at the AP poll and I was not happy. In fact, I'm still not happy. As I record the show, I am actively upset for my Cougar brethren up north, who are not just being left behind as the inaugural Pac-2 champion. And they are not just Currently, without a home in 2024, along with Oregon State, who I still think is a good football team and who is <clears throat> favored this Friday as they host Utah. That's going to be a big football game. Washington State comes in at number 16 in the AP poll. They moved up five slots. Five slots they moved. Like the count on Sesame Street would do one, two, three, four, five. They moved up five slots. They should have moved up more. Two teams in front of them I have strong objections to. And this is just what it's like to be in Pullman. And Jake Dickert knows this. I like that guy more and more every time that he talks. I'd love to get him on the show. He seems like a great interview and an awesome dude and a really good football coach, as I've said for a while. They're currently ranked, Washington State is, 16th in the country. You know two teams who they're behind? It's a pair of four and O power five programs, names you know very well, Drake May in North Carolina and Oklahoma. I'll get to that in just a sec, but I love what Jake Dickert said about them being more than the sum of their parts. I mean, he's about as honest as you can be about the fact that We can't recruit at a high level. We don't recruit at a high level. Go look at the recruiting rankings for 2023 and 2024 and 2022. You're not going to find Washington State near the top half or the top third of the conference. You're going to find them closer to the bottom third year in and year out. And yet Jake Dickert, sure, the portal helps with a guy like Cam Ward, who was magnificent. He had five total touchdowns and six incompletions against one of the best defensive coordinators in the Pac-12 that was mighty impressive more on that in a moment but number 16 in the country really really Oregon State before that game was deservedly so based on what they did last year what they brought back and who they are as a program right now and what they did in the first three games they were the number 14 team in the country Washington State builds up a three-possession lead on the Beavs that they whittled down to three points and it came down to an onside kick. Okay, who felt that Oregon State was actually the better team on that Saturday evening in Pullman? I didn't. I don't think Beaver fans did either because Washington State was better on both sides of the football. They just were. So they go out and do that after they looked the exact same against a preseason top 20 team in Wisconsin and they're behind Oklahoma, who's 4-0 against Oh, that's right no power five teams except for well they did beat cincinnati you know the team that up until about an hour ago we would have considered a g5 school they're new to the big 12. that's that's oklahoma's that's oklahoma's best win who's ahead of them Uh, north carolina north carolina is ahead of washington state they have wins to their credit against three power five schools i am not sitting here arguing that these schools shouldn't be ranked but in what world are Oklahoma's wins against no ranked teams and North Carolina's wins against South Carolina, who I think is solid, Minnesota Pitt, and somebody else, no ranked wins and Washington state's got two of them and they didn't just win those games. They did it convincingly. They were the better team by a lot. They had a three possession lead. I think they did against Wisconsin at one point. I know it was at least two possession lead. They were up big on ranked opponents twice this year. And in the other games they've played an fcs in a g5 they dominated the way that north carolina and oklahoma have against inferior competition and yet they're the cougs sitting at number 16. it's absolutely utterly ridiculous the next two teams in front of them are lsu and bama and then notre dame and it sounds ridiculous on its on its face to say well washington state should be above lsu bama and notre dame i want you to give me an explanation as to why alabama's resume at this point in the year is better than washington state's i await your thoughts in the youtube comments or hit me up on twitter every time uh long story short it's not they snuck by south florida well they beat a top 20 Ole miss team um washington state has two of those things that you call ranked wins and they've been more dominant in both of them than alabama was in theirs so i think it's utterly ridiculous i don't think they necessarily should have been inside the top 10 but boy they should have been a lot closer to number 16. that ticked me off they're an outright winner this week by the way, on that note, mailbag question here from Tyler Spencer. What are your thoughts on Jake Dickert calling out Lee Corso for commenting about no one watches the No One Watches bull? They claim they're claiming that Lee Corso says the No One Wants Us bull. This got Ryan Leaf and Kirk Herbstreit taking shots at each other. Honest opinion here. Uh, Lee Corso is a beloved figure in my life. I mean, I have I've watched College Game Day every Saturday that I can since I was five years old. I'm not kidding. Every single Saturday in the fall. Like unless I am somewhere else and for some reason are not able to watch it, I always watch at least a little. I've always wanted to see Corso's headgear. I love Lee Corso. It is getting tough to watch him on TV. He's had you know medical instances and in old age catching up to him, and it sucks to see. He is still a beloved figure, and he always will be. Number one, we don't know what he said. Number two, I I don't think that he's the sort of guy that I'm taking his words like with the utmost serious right now like he is a ceremonial figure on college game day and that's what he's able to do and that's what he should always be able to do because no one can ever replicate the Corso headgear pick I thought the feature they did for the 400th for him was it was just awesome it was it was just awesome but in those particular waters look whether it was the no one watches or the no one wants us I thought it was the no one wants us bowl which is what it was because apparently no one wants Oregon State and Washington State I don't know why well I do know why but based on that football game I don't know why it was entertaining it was fun Washington State was better sure still came down an onside kick at the end because Oregon State made made a late push Cougs were the better team they won I was wrong on my prediction in that particular game but you know regardless I don't find that particular debate uh, constructive but talking about Washington State and how well they played phew, boy boy oh boy is that productive you're not ready most of you i said this on my reaction pod late on saturday night you most of you are not ready to talk about washington state as a conference contender you're not i am i'm i'm ready for that and i'll prove it to you also prove to you that linkedin jobs is a great place to go and that's what linkedin looks like because these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available that's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions to apply. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Nice refreshing second segment, Sip. A couple more notes on the Cougs. Cam Ward was incredible. Over 400 yards against Oregon State. Look, I know the Bees lost a couple players from last year's defense. It's still a good unit. It's still got a great defensive coordinator. And Ben Arbuckle, the offensive coordinator for Washington State. Yeah, he just justified, he justified his hiring in a big way on Saturday night. And Cam Ward came back for reasons like this. And Jake Dickert talked about how Brandon Jackson and Ron Stone Jr. They came back because of what this team is capable of being. And most people just because of brand value and the fact that the Cougs have never been to a Pac-12 championship game before, you're not ready. You're not prepared to talk about Washington state as a Pac-12 contender. Do I think they have to prove it more than some others? Yes and no. I understand the people who say, I need to see it first, right? Oregon state this year, perfect example. People such as myself talked about them as a PAC 12 contender. I still feel that way. They're capable of being that if they play at their best, they did not play their best on Saturday and credit to Washington state for putting them in that particular position. But Washington state played well against a team that before the season, we all said is capable of winning the PAC 12 heck in a lot of people's view, was a team that had the scheduling breaks to go to the Pac-12 championship game. Well, now Washington State is 4-0. Now Washington State will soon be in the top 15, assuming you know somebody loses in front of them. They should already be there, as I already said. Washington State doesn't just miss USC. That's one thing you point out with Oregon State and their schedule. Well, they have a lot of breaks. They play UCLA, Washington, Utah at home. And they have to go at Oregon. Yeah, that's that's all true. And it's still like things are still ahead of them. Oregon state that is there's still a lot of things they can accomplish because of that schedule breaking in their favor but Washington state doesn't just miss USC they miss Utah too they've got Colorado at home their home slate I don't see anybody going into Pullman and winning this year the two teams that had the best chance to do so they had their shot Washington state go look at their schedule it is super favorable no USC No Utah. Now, they do have some tough road games. They have to go at Oregon, they have to go at UCLA, and they have to go at Washington. But in what world does seven and two in conference play not give you a good chance to get into the Pac-12 championship game? In what world? Because that's not this world. This world in which we deal in one of reality is if you go seven and two, yeah, last year that got you into the Pac-12 title game with you know tiebreakers and such, but at least gives you a chance. And the nature of the word contender is a candidate to get to the conference championship game and potentially win it. I see a team that plays defense. I see a team that's got a good defensive front. They've got experience. They've got explosive playmakers. Some of the catches their receivers made, incredible. Absolutely incredible. And if I just told you, without applying the name Washington State to it, here's a team that has two top 20 wins convincingly has got a favorable schedule and is 4-0 and has looked dominant through the first four games, you'd say, oh, well, yeah, that's a Pac-12 title contender. Well, that's the case for Washington State. So they're your biggest outright winner. Not the only one, though. I put Utah in this camp. I put Utah in this camp, and they're the only two outright winners this week. Oregon and Washington come very, very close. I'll get to them in a moment. I put Utah as an outright winner this week. For those that are new here, you can be a winner, a lean win, no vibe, lean lose, or a loser, and that's a reflection of what I think the mood of the the fan base should be. I put Utah in that discussion because they are winning football games by a touchdown or more, and they haven't had their quarterback take a snap yet. He hasn't played a single snap. That defense is so good that they scored as many points as the offense on Saturday and they won the football game by a touchdown Utah's defense is good enough once again to get them to the Pac-12 championship game and win it do they need cam rising yep they absolutely do I I remain steadfast in that belief but that they are proving time and time again I know every dayers are aware that I've been down on the Bruins compared to most some people think they're a 9-10 win team I think they're a 7-8 win team good but not great And my concerns about them going into that game against the Utes, it all came true. I was right on that one. I was wrong on many other things, but I was very right on that. Which is, hey, true freshman quarterback, I don't know, especially not against Utah. Guess what? His pick six was the difference in the game. That Utah defense is playing as well as I've ever seen them play. And Kyle Whittingham has put together some great units on that side of the ball. Utah fans should be feeling really, really good. If Cam Rising eventually gets back, Utes can win 10, 11, dare I say 12 football games this year. They're really, really good. So those are your two outright winners, uh, uh, a quadro, a quadrupod of lean wins. Let's start with the two big dogs, Washington and Oregon. This is at the very top of the lean win department. The reason that I don't quite put them into the outright winner category this week is because they had similar games. Oregon's was bigger hyped but both were almost identical favorites at home they both covered and they were both utterly dominant now I expected them both to win big I did not think they would win by as large a margins as they ended up emerging victorious by however boy did both look really really good Oregon's defense holy smokes Washington's offense I'm not sure how you stop it if you can't pressure Michael Penix, it's really simple as Washington. If you cannot pressure Michael Penix, you have no hope of stopping them. Absolutely none. His deep ball is too accurate. His receivers are too good. His offensive coordinator is too sharp. Period, point blank, end of story. And let's start the hype train now because Oregon and Washington's fitting. I put them together, not just because they're going to the Big Ten next year, but because in three weeks time, October 14th, they're going to play a football game in Seattle and they're both going to be five and O that's going to happen. And they're both going to be coming off buys game day has to get there. Start the hype train. Now assuming Oregon doesn't stumble against Stanford, they're 21 point road favorites, assuming Oregon doesn't or Washington doesn't stumble against Arizona. I highly doubt it. That's gotta be game day rivalry last year, of the pack, battle of unbeatens, there'll be top 10 teams, Heisman quarterback matchups, great environment, beautiful setting. I like game day has to go there. Absolutely has to. So those are the lean wins. A couple of other lean wins. Uh, neither of these teams won, but boy, did they play above my expectations, which is why they go in this particular department. Let's start with Arizona State. Why was that game ever close? Because as Kenny Dillingham said on Twitter after the game, the valley felt activated they had a home crowd behind them they were playing inspired they did enough defensively they kept up offensively drew pine did some good things cameron scadaboo was awesome no arizona state didn't win the football game never thought they would but that was in my pac-12 prime picks in the other direction because i thought usc would walk in and blow the doors off them that had a different feel to it that was a positive momentum moral victory kind of game for asu usc gets the actual victory though which is uh, of course what matters most Other teams in the lean win, the last one here, is Stanford. I'll get to Arizona later, but Stanford played well. Their defense held Arizona to a total I did not expect to see, and the Cardinal deserve credit for that. And we'll see what they do against Oregon, who's playing some really good football right now when they come to the farm this week. But boy, oh boy, Stanford sure did look like a team that wasn't about to roll over. And between Arizona State and Stanford, if they play like that more weeks than not, there will be a Pac-12 victory in there for at least one of them. Right now, you know, last week at this time, we felt, hey, it's going to be winless for those two. Well, now it kind of feels different. Arizona's not a bad football team. They're sitting at three and one for a reason. Stanford almost beat them Stanford almost beat them. USC, we know is really, really good. We know Caleb Williams is good. Lincoln Riley's good. ASU gave him a push. They gave him a real serious, honest-to-goodness push. So good for those two no vibe this week is just one team and that's UCLA they lost by seven at Utah now just as a quick side note and going back to my earlier point about the disrespect towards the Pac-12 Florida lost by 13 points and it wasn't even that close when they played Utah in that same building um UCLA lost by seven and it was close the entire game one team is ranked and the other is not. I'll let you guess which one is ranked and which one isn't. Uh, UCLA goes in the no vibe category. Why? Because this game looked exactly how I thought it would. I didn't think it'd be this low scoring, but I didn't think it would be high scoring. I was more in the 27-20 range. Whether or not Cam Rising was playing, I thought the Utes would win in cover because I thought Dante Moore wasn't ready for that spot. He wasn't, but UCLA showed themselves well. Their front four is really good. Their defense overall looks really good. They allowed just seven points. Now that's to a third string quarterback, second string, whatever you want to call them, but still they played well on UCLA. They look solid and defense has always been the problem. And if Dante Moore can get things rolling and improves, the year goes on, they can be as I thought a seven, eight win team and someone who can go toe to toe physically with the big kids in the conference lies law to law boy, that guy's a beast his PFF grade, let's just say it's very, very high. Uh, it's very, very high for a reason. He is one heck of a defensive end, uh, edge player, outside linebacker, whatever you want to call him. So uh, UCLA is the only team in the no vibe because they did exactly what I expect them to. Uh, now we go to the uh, fan bases that aren't feeling as good. There, there are, uh, There are several. You'll always be feeling good with athletic brewing though, because uh, much like Washington's Michael Penix and Roma Dunze combined for explosive plays to blow the game open, or Bo Nix and Troy Franklin for the Ducks against Colorado, Athletic Brewing Company has changed the game when it comes to non-alcoholic beers. They make non-alcoholic beers that you know actually taste good. I know, what a wild, wild concept. Their brews are great-tasting, award-winning, and beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and more, so they've got Everything that you've got, no hangovers ever. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or buy online at at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code Locked On to get 15% off your first online order. That's code Locked On at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. All right, let's move to the teams that have got fans who are probably not feeling as good and shouldn't be feeling this good. Let's start with the lean-lose department, USC. Why was the game close? Like, you allowed 28 points to Drew Pine and ASU. Like, why was the game close? I'm not sitting here saying USC isn't still good enough to win the Pac-12. They are. Their offense is still amazing. They got incredible weapons. I mean, they put up, what, 42 points and we're going, huh, is that all? But that game didn't exactly leave you feeling inspired compared to what some of the other Pac-12 contenders did this week. Utah, dominant defense against a better team. Oregon and Washington, dominant on both sides of the ball against teams that are better than Arizona State. So, not a great vibe for USC. Not a disaster, though. Uh, It'll all come down to the second half of their schedule and such when it gets really difficult, but... That was not the best performance from Lincoln Riley's team. The California Golden Bears. Was that game ever competitive? Not really. Look, I didn't expect you to win the football game. Uh, this is almost a no vibe, but I did think Cal would be a little bit more competitive and the offense, yikes, quarterbacks back and forth, don't know who you want. Like It just doesn't feel great. And then defensively through the first few weeks, they'd looked really good for the most part, not entirely, but for the most part. They look like a Justin Wilcox defense and they went out on the road and they allowed over 50 points for the first time in the Justin Wilcox era. Not great. Not a disaster. Cal's goals still very much in front of them. So is a really, really difficult schedule. If my season predictions from before the year come to pass, then Cal won't make a bowl game. They still could. They're sitting at two and two right now. I mean, it's, it's not as if this guy is falling and everything is disastrous they have arizona state this week if you win that football game you feel a little bit better arizona arizona can we talk for a minute can we can we have like an honest honest sit down first of all i believe in you since before the season and i trusted you in the prime picks this week you let me down but that's not really why i'm I'm mostly upset. My my record is being unable to pick the point spreads in this league, date back to last year. I'm back under 500, um, Pac-12 prime picks, by the way, an outright loser, one and four for the second straight week. I'm two and eight in my last 10, nine and 11 on the season. Yikes. But Arizona, look, defensively, they allowed seven more points than I predicted against Stanford. Okay. I, I mean, that's that's fine. On the road. I know Stanford's not great, but that's a solid defensive outing from the Bear or from the Wildcats. Why would, why did we only have 21 points? Stanford is, is not Stanford is not a good football team. They were my preseason pick to finish last. They're still my pick to finish last, but they're in the lean win department, even though they lost and Arizona's in the lean lose department, even though they won, what, what exactly went down? It made you scratch your head it made you scratch your head because arizona on paper is a much better football team their program is much further along and look they're sitting at three and one right now which is what they should be but that game didn't look the way it should have and if they play like that the rest of the year look at the depth in this conference it's hard to find wins if you're going to a place against a bad team with no road environment and you're playing like that, you're having to scrape out a victory by one point. Ee, that's not a great feeling. Here's the consolation I'll offer Arizona. I will give you a football team that was 9-3 and three in the regular season, won their bowl game by 27 points from 2022. And they also went to the farm and had to escape with a late game victory, which was even more miraculous than the Wildcats. And that's Oregon State. Oregon State last year went to the farm. They barely won. They needed a late miracle touchdown and they ended the season 10 and three. So Arizona's goals are still there. They haven't been taken away. That was not a great performance from Jed Fish's team. And I'm interested to see how they rebound coming back home against a top 10 team in Washington this week. They're only a two touchdown dog. Interesting, interesting for the Pac-12 prime picks there, which boy, I need a good week. Anyway. Those are the lean lose. Now, the only two outright losers this week, Colorado and Oregon State. You can only fall into this this category if your football team loses and it is the sort of loss that makes you feel like you got to drop your head. (sighs) Wow. I know a lot of Oregon State fans. Um, I know that at least one, as I record this show on Sunday night, is still recovering after having gone up for the game and it was, shall we say, not what they were hoping for. Now, like other teams in the conference, Oregon State's goals are still available and in front of them. However, it is now more challenging and looks more challenging on paper because Cam Ward went for over 400 yards. He had six incompletions and five total touchdowns. And one thought I had during the game as I watched the Beavs defense get torched and not really have any answers aside from uh a, a strip sack and fumble recovery they had of uh, of the Cougar's quarterback in that game was okay granted this is on the road and Oregon State plays much better at home that's been the case over the last few years that's the case for everybody even more so with Oregon State when you look at uh w- when you look at the numbers and their record 2021's a great example 2022 and now in 2023 we're seeing the same sort of deal if that's what Cam Ward did to the Oregon State secondary What is Michael Penix going to do? What is Bo Nix going to do? Heck, what could Dante Moore do? By the time UCLA goes to Reeser, they're going to be a more experienced football team. He'll have had more reps. That was really concerning for Oregon State and for a team that has a favorable schedule. Yes, it still helps that they can get to the Pac-12 title game, but they can only lose one more time. And they've still got to play at Oregon. They've got to play Utah this Friday. And they have to play Washington. And then you can't have a stumble anywhere else. They have to go at Colorado. They have to go at Arizona. Can't have, a, can't have a hiccup in those games. If you do, that Pac-12 title game appearance will be put on hold until we see what the conference future holds. Uh, and then the bus. I talked about them a lot on Saturday's reaction show. Again, I expected them to lose. I didn't think they would lose by 36 points and that their starters against Oregon starters would fail to put up any points. They didn't score until late in the game when oregon had all their reserves in it was a bad game by the way respect to Deion sanders i thought he handled the press conference very well said good old fashioned butt whooping yeah that's what it was they got their butts kicked they did and they ran into their ceiling and realized that you know or at least a lot of bus fans i think realized oh okay so we're not pac-12 contenders this year they're still a much better football team than i thought their program is still on an upward trajectory And they're still going to get a lot of attention because of Coach Prime, but things have definitely settled down on that front. All right, let's wrap up with a mailbag question. Mailbag is always open. YouTube comments or Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pack 12 This from JT. Since you're willing to consider wild realignment schemes from time to time, Fact check true how about this one after a certain number of years schools and fans are fed up with the disadvantages of non-regional football driven conferences and look to return to old ways specifically the traditional pack schools want to return to a pacific coast conference first of all what fans want is completely irrelevant um, i don't think you would even entertain this notion without seeing reasons people would want this but i'm not going to write an essay here maybe people prefer to watch their teams against traditional rivals i do or travel becomes too expensive it won't be too expensive it'll just be more expensive or rising popularity of women's sports reduces the oversized emphasis on football alone uh, women's sports are becoming more and more popular nothing is close to football nothing is even remotely close to it. Uh, Not even men's basketball. Thus changing college budget factors or TV technology and economics change. I don't know what question to ask other than the simple one of when the relevant current contracts expire and the wandering teams can consider reconsolidating in the West. Take this idea on any way you want to. So the generalized notion of there's going to be buyer's remorse and teams will regret or schools will regret having changed conferences and they'll say, actually, yeah, we'd like to go back to this. Fans... going to feel that way there are fans such as myself who already know we're going to feel that way i think there are a lot of other fans who don't realize it yet but will one day feel that way as i said what fans want is completely irrelevant this is a who votes on realignment university presidents going on going on my gravestone university presidents athletic directors are involved presidents have the final say and tv networks they want what they want and money talks and you know, what walks at the end of the day, I completely understand the thinking and it's worthy of discussion. The idea that teams could say, uh, or schools rather could say, um, yeah, okay. We don't actually like this. It's not working out. We're going to go back over here. Given the increased amount of revenue that most of these schools are going to be, uh, going towards in the big 10, for example, that's not going to happen. There's no way that happens usc was the school that most wanted to break up the pac-12 that has been well documented at this point there is no way they'd want to go back i don't think ucla cares as much either way but once they start seeing the extra money come in they're not going to want to go back oregon and washington want athletic relevance and exposure and they're not going to want to go back and you can't build a conference that would pay enough to go to the four corners and say do you want to come back to the pack one day because, you know, we want to try and protect the regional rivalries or go back to the way things were or anything like that. I hate the situation as it is. I think it stinks. And I think there are serious drawbacks of it, and questions that still have to be answered. Like, can we just have football play in these conferences, and everyone else play in a more regional league, so that travel isn't imposed upon student athletes who didn't ask for this, didn't drive the conversation, didn't have a seat at the table, and whose voices wouldn't have mattered if they did have a seat at the table? Those are those are questions that need to be answered that haven't yet. It looks like everyone's just going to have to suck it up and grin and bear it, and that's the world. And I think that stinks. And I think you lose a lot of the tradition that the sport in this country has spent over the last hundred plus years building up. You're just tossing it away for money and TV dollars. Like uh, that's, that, that's what it is. And, and historically people giving up money and power and relevance and prestige to go back to a place just that has the, that, that, that's only appeal is tradition yeah that's not that's not a calculation that's that's going to be one so as much as i would love for that to happen one day in in no world do i see anybody reverting back to the pack i just can't see it it would require too many things to take place and too many people would have to dramatically shift their motivations that's not going to happen appreciate everyone listening i'll see you next time and until then hope you have a wonderful rest of your day